Hey, buddy, what you doing? Is it Christmas yet? No, sorry, not yet. I can't wait for Christmas. Yeah, I can't wait for Christmas either. In fact, let's celebrate now. <laughs> Welcome to the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast. <laughs> it's July 25th, 2019, and that means there's five months till Christmas. Today on the show, it's our fourth anniversary episode, and we're celebrating in my favorite way, a listener feedback special. Today we're going to talk about a fun and tropical alternative to yams, count down the five best Linus moments in Christmas movies, talk about dealing with grief at Christmas time, and we'll meet our last two contestants in round one of The Road to the Christmas Bowl. Okay, let's start the show! waiters i hope you're having a good christmas in july my wife and i have been binge watching so many hallmark movies that i legitimately forgot it was summer the other night but i'm taking a break from hallmark to welcome you to our four-year anniversary celebration i honestly wasn't sure the podcast would even last this long but we're actually stronger than ever and i owe that all to you which is why this episode i'm turning things over to you this episode is all listener provided content basically this whole episode is one big segment of santa bab's mailbag Santa Bab, he is gonna read some emails from you, or tweets, or Facebook messages to Santa Bab, he is opening up his mailbag tonight. Let's start off with a letter from Brittany, who writes, Hello, my name is Brittany, and I wanted to reach out and say thank you for your podcast. My husband and I are huge Christmas freaks. He proposed four days before Christmas using the 12 Days of Christmas song, his students, and, well, approximately 800 witnesses. Every year, we binge your podcast on the Sunday after Thanksgiving on our way home from Christmastown. We love kicking off our season, even though we start sooner, with you and always enjoy any type of battle that you do. It really starts some conversations. Happy anniversary. Here's to many more. Merry every day and lots of love, Brittany. Well, thank you, Brittany. I love a good Christmas proposal. Sounds super cute. A marriage with its roots in Christmas is bound to be blessed forever. But can I tell you how much I love Merry Every Day? If I was clever like you, that could have been the slogan of this podcast. And, and speaking of being Merry Every Day, we need a little Christmas now. We need a This Christmas Now tip comes from Leslie. You see, a few months back, Leslie mentioned that her family made a pineapple dish as an alternative to yams, and several listeners thought it'd be a great Christmas in July treat. So I asked Leslie if she would share the recipe with us, and she said, You got it! Now, just a quick thing, the recipe originally called for pecans. Since my dad was not a fan, my mom would never include them. The first time she made it after my dad passed away, she tried it with pecans. You know, since he was the only one who didn't like them. Guess what? We didn't either. At least, not in this recipe. So that was the one and only time we've made it with pecans. To each his own, but for us, never again. So here's the recipe, sans pecans. Hot pineapple dish. Ingredients. One large can drained pineapple chunks. Save the juice, it's an ingredient later. One bag regular size marshmallows. One half cup each of butter, sugar, and flour. Directions. Preheat the oven to 450. Strain the pineapple chunks and save that juice. Melt butter, sugar, and flour in a saucepan. Add the juice. Heat and stir until thick. Turn off the heat. Stir in the pineapple chunks. Pour into a casserole dish. 
If doubled, pour into a 13 by 9 dish. Top with the marshmallows. Brown in oven about 8 to 10 minutes. Serves 6 to 8. We usually double the recipe when we have many people over or not because we like to reheat it and eat more over the next few days. Well, thank you, Leslie. That sounds delicious. And I'm with your dad. It sounds way better without pecans. Something about that texture seems like it would not work. I've put a link to Leslie's recipe in the show notes of this episode at can'twaitforchristmaspod.com. And now we have something very special for our next segment. Not just a listener email, but a listener guest. I'm turning over the show to one of our listeners for a special edition of Five Golden Things. Christmas, everybody. This is your old pal, Brian Pierce, who also goes by the handle of Captain Slinky on most of the social media sites out there. You may also know me from my world-famous Captain Slinky's Weird Lamps business, but today I'm here to help out Tim on this, the momentous fourth anniversary of the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast. Ah, four years ago. Were we ever so young? Anyways, I've been brought in to help out with a subject near and dear to my heart. The term I coined way back in episode... Yeah, 24. Yikes, that's... uh, Well, let me take you all back Ken Burns' Civil War documentary style as we relive the horrors of the great is die hard a christmas movie wars of 2017, during which I came up with... The Linus Test. The condensed and edited post is represented and reenacted here for historical documentation purposes in Ken Burns' Civil War style. Matt, dearest Timigad, I hope this missive finds you in good health. I think it's time to put this whole die-hard controversy to rest and all future debates of holiday filmness by establishing the Linus Test as the benchmark of all Christmas movies. The Linus Test is simple. Does the movie have that critical moment where Linus, of Peanuts fame, in case you hadn't already figured it out, could come into the film and say... That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Think about it. Apply this to any of your holiday classics. Go ahead, I'll wait. Die Hard does not have a magical Linus moment anywhere in the entire film. Now I have a gun, ho, 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 and the line about New Year's at the end are the closest they come with no magic or wonder or spirit of the season. It's as Christmassy as a free bank calendar that has Christmas Day observed on the square for December 25th. There, that should clear things up from this point forward. You're welcome. Kindest regards, Captain Brian Slinkerford III, Die Hard Resistance Army, Message Board Battalion. And that was it in a nutshell. I've refined the definition over the years after the war to state that not only could you imagine Linus chiming in with that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown, 
but it also signals a, a tonal change in the story as well, usually shifting, shifting from like chaos to calm, and disorder to order, or anger to love, or even sorrow to joy. Uh, so now that you know the backstory, why am I on your podcast? Well, because I'm here to present for you, for the people. The top five Linus moments for our five golden things. Number five. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. All my life I've wanted to have a big family Christmas. Merry Christmas. Is the season to be merry. So what's the matter with you? Chevy Chase, Beverly D'Angelo, and Randy Quaid. Bingo. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, premiere Sunday, December 16th on HBO. This modern classic is the story of a dad who's just trying to have a perfect Christmas like the ones he remembers from his own childhood. But everything that can go wrong, goes wrong. It's when his own father comes to him to see if he's okay that we get a tender, heartfelt father-son conversation that turns the story around and even though the chaos continues, the Clark Griswold finally gets his perfect memorable Christmas. All our holidays were always such a mess. Oh, yeah. How did you get through it? I had a lot of help from Jack Daniels. Are you going to recite the night before Christmas? No. It's your house. It's your Christmas. I'm retiring. Number four. A Christmas Story. Only one story makes the holiday shine. That star is crooked. A classic tradition that's one of a kind. A Christmas Story. Fragile. It must be Italian. It celebrates the spirit of giving. Wow. And songs to be singing. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a Of lights big and bright. Oh, you should see what it looks like from out here. And little ones, naughty and nice. <laughs> a yearly tradition. I triple dog dare you. Stuffed with delicious new treats. A little bribe never hurts. That make the holidays complete. So run, don't delay. Get your favorite holiday movie today. No, 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 This is my personal favorite Christmas movie of all time, and it comes in at number four. The story of one kid's quest for the ultimate Christmas present. A Red Ryder carbine action 200-shot range model air rifle with a compass in the stock and a thing what tells time. The Linus moment in this movie doesn't come till the very last scene, where finally, after all the chaos of Christmas is over, it's nighttime and the parents are 
just having a nice glass of wine and watching the snow come down outside their living room window. And the main character of Ralphie is reflecting on having received the gift he had been trying so hard to get through the entire movie while he falls asleep. Next to me in the blackness lay my oil blue steel beauty. The greatest Christmas gift I had ever received or would ever receive. Gradually I drifted off to sleep, pranging ducks on the wing and getting off spectacular hip shots. How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the animated version. Every who down in Whoville liked Christmas a lot. But the Grinch, who lived just north of Whoville, did not. The Grinch hated Christmas the whole Christmas season. Oh, please don't ask why. No one quite knows the reason. It could be perhaps that his shoes were too tight. It could be his head wasn't screwed on just right. But I think that the most likely reason of all may have been that his heart was two sizes too small. You know, of all the holiday movies and specials that are out there, The Grinch is the one that people usually bring up to indicate that they get it. You know, Grinch spends the whole show trying to ruin the holidays, and then, bam, heart grows, gets to carve the roast beast. How could it be so? It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. He puzzled and puzzled till his puzzle was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. Number two. Scrooged. Frank Cross is a man of true vanity, whose specialty is inhumanity. He's fired? It's Christmas. Thank you. Call the county. Stop his bonus. Then he saw three new whips. Now what scares him the most? I'm the ghost of Christmas present. Is the chance that he's losing his sanity. Oh, I'm having the weirdest day. Bill Murray, Scrooged, rated PG-13. You know, of all the fine adaptations of the Charles Dickens classic uh, Christmas Carol, the 1988 Bill Murray version wins hands down for me because of this truly epic Linus moment that he goes through. And you can see Bill Murray's character just evolving throughout this entire speech that feels so very real and everything. It just turns the rest of the movie. It's a turning point from being almost a, a horror story type of a thing, being visited by ghosts and everything, to turning into just a giant happy party. Now how did that happen? That happened because it's Christmas Eve, I'm telling you! I'm not crazy. It's Christmas Eve. It's it's the one night of the year when we all act a little nicer. We 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 smile a little easier. We 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 we, we share a little more. For a couple of hours out of the whole year, 
We are the people that we always hoped we would be. It's a miracle. It's really a sort of a miracle because it happens every Christmas Eve. And if you waste that miracle, you're going to burn for it. I know what I'm talking about. You have to do something. You have to take a chance. You do have to get involved. There are people that are having, having trouble making their miracle happen. There are people that don't have enough to eat. There are people that are cold. You can go out and say hello to these people. You can take an old blanket out of the closet and say, here, you can make them a sandwich and say, oh, by the way, here. I get it now. And if you, if you give, then, you, then it can happen. Then the miracle can happen to you. It's not just the poor and the hungry. It's, it's everybody who's got to have this miracle. And it can happen tonight for all of you. If you believe in this spirit thing, you, you, the miracle will happen, and then you'll want it to happen again tomorrow. You won't be one of these bastards who says Christmas is once a year and it's a fraud. It's not. It can happen every day. You've just got to want that feeling. And if you like it and you want it, you'll get greedy for it. You'll want it every day of your life, and it can happen to you. I don't, I believe in it now. I believe it's going to happen to me now. I'm ready for it. And I, it's great. It's a good feeling. It's, it's really better than I felt in a long time. I, I, I'm ready. Have a Merry Christmas, everybody. Did I forget something, big man? Die Hard. <laughs> no, no, just, just kidding. Die Hard, Die Hard isn't a Christmas movie. No, it's not a Christmas movie. See, number one, a Charlie Brown Christmas. Snow time, winter time, Christmas time, the time of sugar plums, Santa Claus. And at last, those lovable children from Peanuts. Enjoy a Charlie Brown Christmas. Meet Charlie Brown, Schroeder and Beethoven, Lucy, and that impudent hound, Snoopy. Charlie Brown! Here comes Charlie Brown now. Listen. Thanks for the Christmas card you sent me, Violet. I didn't send you a Christmas card, Charlie Brown. Don't you know sarcasm when you hear it? Be here as your favorite comic strip comes to life. This year, enjoy a Charlie Brown Christmas. I mean, of course this had to be number one. It's where the Linus moment comes from. Uh, Charlie Brown has spent the entire show being depressed because Christmas has become so commercial and he's mocked by his friends whenever he tries to do something authentic and it's just terrible. But then after this moment, the Linus moment, well, Charlie Brown, he, he gets inspired. He doesn't care what anyone else thinks. He's going to enjoy Christmas for his own reasons in his own way. And that changes the whole story for everybody. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. 
And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. And that's it for this very special Captain Slinky 4th Anniversary Edition of Five Golden Things. If you get a hankering, look me up on Alta Vista, Ask, Jeeves, Bing, you know, whatever search engine you like to use. I'm pretty much the only person who comes up when you search for Captain Slinky's Weird Lamps. Thanks for letting me do this, Tim, uh, and congratulations on four years of the best monthly Christmas-specific podcast recorded in your garage on the entire internet. Thank you, Brian. I really appreciate you sharing your favorite Linus moments with us. While we don't see eye to eye on Die Hard, I thought the Linus test was a brilliant addition to the Christmas movie discussion toolkit. Thanks again. Now, it's time to explore a very specific corner of the mailbag, feedback from our last show. Messages from listeners everywhere. Feedback on our last show. Feedback on our last show. So last time, we talked about Christmas songs that don't get a lot of play on the radio. I asked if you had some favorite Christmas songs that don't get much play, and Michelle wrote in saying a lot of very nice things, but also saying, the main point of my email is to share one of my favorite Christmas songs that I would like to hear more of on the radio. The Christmas Wish. Now, I know the version sung by Kermit on the Muppets and John Denver's A Christmas Together, so there may be other versions out there. I've not looked, as I'm perfectly in love with this version. It's beautiful, and I've used it at the start of school shows, hoping to remind people that there's more to Christmas. Heart emoji, thumbs up emoji. Michelle, I love this song. I am ashamed I didn't include it on my list. In fact, we're going to listen to a little taste of it right now. I don't know if you... Underneath the Christmas tree But if you believe in love That will be more than enough For you to come and celebrate with me It's such a great message and Kermit is the perfect messenger. Thanks so much, Michelle, for reminding me of that great song. And we also got an email from Brian, uh, not the Brian of Linus Test fame, but a whole separate Brian. Yes, this podcast is popular enough to support two whole Brians. <laughs> anyway, Brian writes in and says, love the show. I wanted to nominate a rarely played Christmas song. It's Christmas Dream by Perry Como. It's from the early 1970s, and it was written by Andrew Lloyd Webber. My kids just love it. Must be that accordion. Speaking of my kids, my daughter Lily has just started listening to podcasts, and yours is her favorite. Every month she counts down to CWFC and listens on the morning of the 25th with her little brother Connor. As for Connor, can I get a birthday shout-out? He's our Christmas in July baby and turns 7 years old this July 25th. Thanks again, Tim, and we'll keep laughing all the way, Brian. Well, happy birthday, Connor. Here is a special birthday song sung by the imaginary listener who kind of sounds like Kermit the Frog. Happy birthday, happy birthday, happy birthday, Connor. It's your birthday, and that's why Tim is making me sing this song. Hey! Thank you, Kermit Sounding Guy. That is destined to be a classic one day. And Brian, thank you for bringing up Christmas Dream. 
I have never heard of that song before, but what a fun little song. So light the light, I'm home tonight. I need you to warn me, to call me, to love me, to help me to dream my Christmas dream. I bought a Perry Como Best of Christmas CD a few years back, and this wasn't on it. I now question the validity of the CD's claim to being the best of. I'm glad you put this song on my radar, Brian. Thank you. So now, we're going to go back more than one show. See, a few shows back, I talked about my most anticipated Christmas destinations in the U.S. Well, Zach wrote in with another suggested Christmas city. Hey, Tim. Love the podcast. Commenting on your five golden things from the April episode, U.S. Christmas destinations. Might I add Salt Lake City to the list? I live about 10 miles from the center of downtown, and it's beautiful during Christmas, mainly due to Salt Lake being the home of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. With the amount of live nativity scenes as well as the millions of lights decorating Temple Square around Salt Lake Temple, it truly is a sight to see. I've added a link to the website so you can see for yourself. Happy holidays to you and yours, and keep laughing all the way, Zach. Thanks for the suggestion, Zach. I'd love to check out Salt Lake City at Christmas time. Maybe if the Wise Guys Comedy Club in Salt Lake City ever books me, I'll get a chance to come out there again. Hint, hint, Wise Guys. Seriously, though, I'll be sure to put that link to Temple Square in the show notes of this episode. Okay, now, bear with me. This next email will take a second to set up, but I believe it's worth it. You see, last year, Rachel wrote in about planning a picnic for June 25th, or as we know it around these parts, Leon Day, the halfway point to Christmas. Well, recently, Jennifer left a comment on the website asking what the Leon Day picnic consisted of. And now, Rachel has written in to solve this mystery. Dear Tim and waiters, I had every intention of sending an email about the 2018 Leon Day picnic my family had, but then I got distracted by life, and now it's July 13th, and I'm just now getting around to listening to the 2019 Leon Day podcast. Excuses aside, here's how the picnic went. My family doesn't really have Christmas food traditions, so we had normal summertime picnic food. Burgers, hot dogs, deviled eggs, pasta salad, etc. The only things we have on the big holidays are my sister's pretzel salad and punch made from Sprite, a colored pop, and sherbet. A few months before Leon Day, we drew names to see who each person would provide a gift for. Remember, my rule was you're not allowed to spend money. Make, bake, craft, re-gift, but no spending. I drew my 11-year-old niece's name. Riley is an avid reader, so I gifted her my copy of Watership Down and crocheted a couple of bookmarks for her. Riley drew my sister's name, and Riley, she just went to town. She folded some origami for Ashley, made her a socktopus, that's a stuffed octopus made out of a sock, and she played a song on her flute. My second niece, Piper, decorated a ceramic pot, placed a cute little plant in it, and gifted it to my mother. My mother drew my name. She gave me her mother's necklace. It's something of a family heirloom, and it is very precious to me. Some of the other gifts they came up with were a homemade beef jerky, a ring-toss yard game, a macrame lanyard, pitzel cookies, and chocolate-covered candies. They all rose to the challenge. I'm so proud of all my family for putting in the time and thought for their gifts. I did pull out some of my favorite Christmas decorations and toss them around the house and backyard. It was fun and relaxing. We were unable to have a picnic this year due to scheduling conflicts, and I refuse to do it if we can't have everyone. Maybe next year? But then, baby sister is getting married in June 2020. I tried to encourage her to do a Leon Day wedding, but she has her own ideas. Mercy and peace, Rachel. Thank you, Rachel. That sounds like quite the fun picnic. I am curious how you do homemade beef jerky and what pretzel salad is. Just put a bunch of pretzels in a bowl? Do you add dressing? What's going on with the pretzel salad? I'm sorry, we're going to need yet another follow-up. But again, thanks for writing in. Well, let's move away from show feedback so I can give you an update from the world of Christmas. It's time for All I Want for Christmas is News. (laughs) 
comes to us from Jason, who writes, Need a little Christmas now? Yes, please. Found these in my local Walmart today. Day made. And he sent a picture. And thanks, Jason. They, it's true, they are selling Little Debbie Christmas tree cakes at Walmart for Christmas in July. Now, I've never had one, and I don't really shop at Walmart, so I can't give you any personal experience with them. But there, now you have the information. You know that they exist. You know where to go get them. So you can do with that what you will. And now a word from one of the other fine podcasts in the Christmas Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Jess. And we're, we're Hallmark, Hallmark and, and Jess. Jess. <laughs> I feel like we're at a car dealership commercial. <laughs> we swear we won't talk like this during the podcast. There's two things we love most in this world. Hallmark movies and Lacey Chabert. And we're breaking down all of your favorite Hallmark movies like... A Very Merry Mix-Up. Rocky Mountain Christmas. And the All of My Heart series. Tommy... Please be my husband. So tune in every Wednesday. Today! The Can't Wait for Christmas podcast is part of the Christmas Podcast Network, a collection of the greatest Christmas podcasts around. You can find out more about that show and all the great shows on the network at christmaspodcastnetwork.com. For our feature today, I'm going to attempt to tackle something a bit more serious than usual. I know this is supposed to be a comedy podcast, but every sitcom has their very special episode, and you could say this is the podcast equivalent of that. That being said, I feel I should give a trigger warning that we'll be discussing death and grief in this segment. Not, not in a graphic way or anything, just some hopefully helpful advice on coping. But if that is not something you feel like you need in your ears right now, feel free to use the timestamp in the show notes to skip ahead to find out if stuffing or mashed potatoes won the latest Christmas Bowl poll. That's exactly why I put the timestamps in every episode to help you navigate the segments in the show. So the idea for this started when I got a letter from Justin that I thought was definitely a worthwhile topic. He says, Hi, Tim. I hope this question is okay for what is generally a happy and fun show. I'm voting for stuffing because my dad made the best stuffing in the world. He always made it for Thanksgiving, and then we'd convince him to make it for Christmas, and then we'd convince him to make it for New Year's Eve. He passed away about two months ago, and I'm now dreading what is usually my favorite time of year. Dad was responsible for almost every holiday tradition we have. He did all of the holiday cooking. Do you have any advice on getting through the most wonderful time of the year when mourning a loved one? Thanks again for a great podcast. The last two episodes have been a wonderful distraction during an otherwise sad time. Justin. First of all, Justin, I am very sorry for your loss. And and I know that's like a cliche thing that everybody says, but I want you to know I really mean it. We're about a couple weeks away from the 12th anniversary of my father's passing, so I can definitely relate to how you're feeling. And while I am by no means an expert on psychology or grief, but I have at least lived through the exact experience you're describing, my first Christmas after losing my dad, so I thought this might be a worthwhile topic on the show. But I didn't want to just go by my experience, since, you know, I'm a stand-up comic, and as you may know, we have some fairly unorthodox and likely unhealthy coping mechanisms. And I don't want this to be a wacky segment either, because I believe this topic deserves some respect. So the imaginary listeners are going to sit this one out, and it's going to be very light on jokes, but I I think it can't hurt to explore a serious topic from time to time. So I searched the web for some advice from some various sources, like psychologists, ministers, and other people who've had experience with this kind of thing, and I've tried to come up with an amalgamation of the best advice I can offer on coping with grief during Christmas. Be 
One of the first things that almost everyone I looked up agreed on was to give yourself permission to be sad. I know it's the season of joy and happiness, but it's going to hit you at some point, maybe multiple points. You'll get a pang of, oh, I wish my loved one was here for this, or oh, the last time we did this, they were here. Sometimes you'll be expecting it, and other times it will come out of nowhere. Like, since when did throwing away wrapping paper become something I get sentimental about? But just know, it's probably going to happen, and it's okay. You're not going to be sad forever. But in a particular moment, you might just need to feel your feelings for a bit. Don't feel the need to push through or put on a brave face. People will understand. On the other side, don't feel guilty for being happy. It's the holidays. Something is going to make you smile or laugh or just feel joy. You might feel a twinge of guilt for those happy feelings. Like, I shouldn't be enjoying this without my loved one, but of course you should. And of course they would want you to. You're allowed to be happy during Christmas. It doesn't diminish your love for the person who's passed. It just means you're human. So then, knowing you're going to have a lot of ups and downs, how do you prepare for the season? What you want to do is listen to that inner voice that's telling you what you can and can't handle. Plan ahead and set limits for yourself. Don't feel the pressure to go full bore on decorating if you're not feeling it. If it's too painful to go to the same Christmas tree lot and pick out a tree without your loved one, you can go to another lot. You can get a fake tree, or you can not get a tree at all. Christmas will happen no matter how many traditions you skip or how many you don't. Don't be afraid to let yourself off the hook if you need to. That being said, don't go to the other extreme and push Christmas out entirely. I mean, if Christmas doesn't mean that much to you, I guess it can't hurt to skip it, but I don't think you'd be listening to this podcast if that was the case. So don't put off dealing with Christmas altogether, because then you'll only end up dreading the next Christmas. And before you know it, the holiday becomes something to endure rather than something to enjoy. So then the big question becomes Christmas parties. There's going to be a lot of people there. Do you want to deal with it? Do you want to go? Do you want to not go? Again, it comes down to how you feel. When you RSVP to the host, you can just be honest with them and say, hey, I'm having a rough time with it this year, so don't take it personally if I bail out early or if I flake at the last minute and don't show up at all. If you do decide to go, you should definitely drive yourself to the party or take one of those ride-sharing services if they're available in your area. You don't want to be trapped at the party because your ride isn't ready to leave. You might find yourself overwhelmed and want to make a quick exit. But maybe you won't. Maybe you'll have a great time and just be able to enjoy the season. I don't want to set you up to think that grief will be your whole world at Christmas. It probably won't. But it will be a part of the celebration, so you do have to make room for it. Now, if you typically host Christmas dinner, you might want to see if someone else can host for this year. Again, people will understand. Grief takes a lot out of you, not only emotionally, but also physically. Planning a big Christmas get-together might be too much, and if it is, you can say so. Or if you still want to do it, don't be afraid to ask for help. It's the season of giving, and your friends and family are sure to give you a helping hand. And while we're on the topic of parties, be careful not to overindulge. It's very tempting this time of year with plenty of sweet treats and usually a bunch of adult beverages on hand. But you really don't want to overdo it, not only for the normal health reasons, but when you're grieving, your emotions are already up and down constantly. Adding the sugar rush and post-sugar crash to that is not going to do you any favors. Now, I'm not saying don't have anything that's tasty. I'm just saying, you know, moderation. One thing you will encounter a lot is people not knowing what to say. On one hand, they don't want to mention that you're grieving and possibly make you upset. On the other hand, they don't want to carry on as if nothing happened. So what do you say? This can lead to some awkward conversations, which is why it can be a good idea to bring up the elephant in the room early. If prayer is your thing, you could maybe lead everyone in a prayer to remember your loved one. Or maybe you pick an activity they enjoyed and do it in their honor. Or you could all reminisce about Christmas's past with them, and anyone who has a story can share. That could be a good, cathartic way to make the person a part of the celebration, even though they can't be there. Now, again, listen to your emotions. If that doesn't seem like something you'd feel comfortable doing, then don't force it. 
a lot of the things I read and listened to suggested starting a new tradition. And that was easy for me because my dad died the same year I got married and moved to Los Angeles. So my Christmas was completely different from the Christmas I had before. It was the first one where I was a married man and we had to drive six hours to get to celebrate Christmas at my mother-in-law's house, which was a place I'd never celebrated Christmas before. So it wasn't like everywhere I looked, I saw my father, but there were times, like I said, where I'd get flashes of memories of him and, you know, it'd be a little sad. Like when I was scooping up a bunch of wrapping paper, I'd like, that wasn't a random example before that, that is really... Something that happened to me. I was just picking up the wrapping paper and I got this pang of, oh, I miss my dad. Like, I I just remember my dad doing that all the time at Christmas. He was very big on keeping things neat and tidy. I mean, and it didn't ruin Christmas. It was just, you know, a little sad, like, oh, my dad, just thinking about your dad. I can promise that the Christmases do get easier. Uh, I'm told that some people find the second Christmas after the person has passed to be a bit harder than the first. I guess because one year without them kind of feels like an anomaly, whereas the second year, it really hits that this is reality now. But as more and more Christmases pass, the memories become less painful and much more happy. I especially remember my last Christmas with my dad. Uh, My mom threw a Christmas party at her place, and I brought my fiancé, who's now my wife, and her mom. And my dad came with my stepmom, and we were all having the best time. His health had been going downhill for a while, so it was great to see him in such good spirits. They were just laughing. Oh, he had such a, it was such a good last Christmas with my dad. And yeah, I still miss him a lot when Christmas time comes around, especially when I look at my boys. And I know they'll never meet my dad because I think he would have been an adorable Christmas grandpa. And I, a lot of people make keepsake ornaments or wreaths for their departed loved ones. And I have a weird sort of keepsake. It's it's odd. I have a razor that I was going to give my dad as a stocking stuffer that I, for some reason, had bought months ahead of time. And I still have it. It's probably silly to keep it. It's not like it has any real connection to my dad. He never saw it, but I, I keep it anyway. It's the last present I ever bought for my dad. It used to fill me with regret at not getting the chance to give it to him. But now it just makes me smile and remember him. And I know it's weird, but it works for me. And, and that's the bottom line of all of this. Grief is different for everyone. Maybe some of this can help you. Maybe none of it can. Feel free to throw away every shred of advice I've said and forge your own path. Grief is tough at any time of year, but especially at Christmas. So whatever works for you, let it work for you. If you know someone who is grieving this year, I hope you'll do your best to comfort them when they need it and give them their space when they need that. And if you are the one grieving this year, like our friend Justin, my heart truly goes out to you. If I could boil all this down to three main takeaways, it would be listen to your emotions and don't be afraid of them. Plan ahead so you can have some measure of control and add some remembrance to the holiday. Most of all, I sincerely hope you can find some joy amidst your sorrow because you deserve it, even if you feel like you don't right now. Our minds be filled with questions in our hearts we'll understand when the river meets the almighty sea. Okay, well, there is no easy way to change gears from that to our normal wacky show, so I'm just going to let this be awkward as we move on to our final segment, The Road to the Christmas Bowl. Bowl. 
month, all year, we're going to have two different Christmas dishes compete each month for your votes until we decide what is the ultimate Christmas food. Last time, it was the clash of the carbs as stuffing went head-to-head with mashed potatoes. And the voting was really close, but apparently there was some foul play suspected, as you'll hear in this letter I got from Doug. I am forced to file a complaint with the California Fair Political Practices Commission. Your election process is denying my opportunity to cast votes under the time-honored tradition of one man, many votes. Seriously, for at least four times I've come to your site only to receive a notice that I'd already voted that day. However, each time was the first attempt to vote that day. I could not find stuffing listed on the commission's website, so I'm not sure how to categorize the violation. Please review this list from the commission's website and indicate which crimes you feel your election process violates. Violations of the act include financial conflicts of interest, campaign money laundering, over-the-limit gifts and contributions, improper use of campaign funds, including personal use, campaign mass mailings at public expense, false, inadequate, or inaccurate reporting on statements of economic interests, campaign statements, and reports non-filing or late filing of such statements and reports, anonymous or cash contributions of $100 or more. Even though I know very little about you, I believe you are very likely to be in violation of non-filing or late filing. Doug. Well, I would like to assure Doug that everything is above board here at the Road to the Christmas Bowl. However, we did discover that you may need to clear your cookies if you run into an issue like this. Doug did get his cookie situation sorted out and was able to cast his votes. But we're not here to talk about cookies. We're here to talk about stuffing and mashed potatoes. And which one captured the most of your votes? Well, this was the heaviest round of voting since eggnog versus hot cocoa. And similarly to that matchup, this one was really close. Squeaking by with 50% of the vote, mashed potatoes are moving on to the next round. But before we can move to the next round, we have to finish round one. And we're going to do that right now with our main course main event. Let's meet meet the contestants. contestants. In the the green green corner, corner. it's the food everyone loves to gobble gobble up. You can have it stuffed. You can have it basin. But bottom line, you gotta have it. It's turkey! In the red corner, you'll want to pig out on this main course. This honey-glazed hotshot is ready to take its place as the king of Christmas dinner and send turkey back to Thanksgiving. It's hell! Now it's up to you to pick the winner. The poll is open now at can'twaitforchristmaspod.com. You can vote once a day, every day, until the polls close on August 23rd. Then we'll announce the winner on our August 25th show and see which one of these will continue on on the road to the Christmas Bowl. And that's our show. Thank you to everyone who wrote in, especially the letters I didn't get to today. I did get a lot of letters that weren't really questions or suggestions, but just you saying really nice things about the show, and I don't want you think I didn't appreciate them because I didn't read them. I just felt really self-conscious reading them on the show. I'm sorry. I have self-esteem issues. But thank you so much for all the love. Be sure to mark your calendars for November 24th when Brian Earl from Christmas Pass and I will be doing a live show at the Great Dickens Christmas Fair in Daly City, California. Don't worry. I'll remind you several times between now and then. All right. Time to binge some more Hallmark Christmas movies. But until next time, merry every day and keep laughing all the way. And that was Christmas 1983. Actually, Dad, it's 2019. Oh. Ho, ho, ho. Thank you for listening to the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to us on iTunes. Or we're available on Stitcher and Google Play as well. 
If you'd like to leave a comment on this or any episode, go to our official website at can'twaitforchristmaspod.com. While you're there, you'll find a link to our official Zazzle store, where you can grab customizable t-shirts, ornaments, bumper stickers, and all sorts of other Christmas merchandise all year long. You can also connect with us on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash can'twaitforchristmaspod. Or on Twitter, we are at ChristmasPod. Or you could always send us an email directly at christmas at tancast.com. The Can't Wait for Christmas podcast is part of the Tancast Podcast Network. We Wish You a Merry Christmas was performed by the United States Marine Corps Band. And this amazing version of Jingle Bells on the Accordion was performed by the wonderful and talented Kristen Nowicki. All other music and sounds used in this episode are the properties of their individual copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. Okay, boys, did I forget anything? God bless us, everyone. <laughs> okay, I thought I thought I got it down so that I would ha- I did a, an, ex- an extra rehearsal because uh, I figured this is not one I'd want a lot of outtakes from. But uh, during the intro part, I outtaked like six times. So <laughs> I guess we're going to have some super awkward outtakes towards the end of this. Yikes. Here we go. This Christmas Now tip comes from Lesney. Lesney? Lesney. She has less knee than most people because uh, I got nothing. I live about 10 miles from the center. I live... I have a... <laughs> I thought there'd be no outtakes, but there's like more outtakes. I like that Rachel also included a second email. I meant to send these helpful pronunciations just in case. Pitzel and macrame. Rachel, you know me and my devilish tongue that likes to pronounce things wrongedly. <laughs> I am forced to file a complaint with the California Fair Political Practice Commission. I am forced to I am forced to file a complaint with the California Fair Practices Commission. Nope, still got it wrong. This this is going to be the line that breaks me. I'm never getting past this line. You can vote once a day, every day until the polls call. Okay, here we go. I am recording using a silly little app on my phone that I just downloaded, and it was free, so that's pretty cool. Uh, This is me doing a requested five golden things for the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast, hosted by Tim Babb. Um, Feel free to edit this as you like. I, uh, I have no idea what I'm doing, so let's go! That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown.